Crowds have gathered around Jesus, according to verse 1 of chapter 10. And by verse 13, people are bringing children to him. Parents are undoubtedly involved. Probably even older siblings bringing their younger brothers and sisters. Uh, maybe even uh, friends and family, other family members are involved as well. Luke says in his account that even infants were being taken to Christ. And so even the youngest of children were being brought to Jesus simply so that he might touch them. Imagine with me the excitement of the crowds, the, the growing numbers of people as they drew near. Imagine the eagerness of the adults present. Come on, come on, Joey, come on, Jane. There he is. Imagine the sights and sounds of children as they approach the Lord. Why all the fuss? Why this excitement for Christ? I think it's because the people saw in Jesus something unique, something different, something desirable. In effect, they were being drawn to Jesus. They saw in Jesus a person unlike any they'd ever met, Someone who not only taught about God, but actually exemplified the very character of God. They saw in Jesus a presence they could not fully explain in power. They certainly did not possess. In this scene, I think we see people expressing their need and desire for Christ. And therefore, they sought for their children even the mere touch of Jesus. The simple touch of Jesus Christ upon their child was worth whatever it took. Isn't that what we want for our children? We want what's best for them. So we're attentive to their Needs. We're attentive to their physical needs, things like nutrition and exercise and proper rest. And, and we're attentive to the developmental needs, things like uh, education and, and helping to develop a love for reading and, and limiting screen time, right? And we're attentive to their, um, their emotional or social needs, things like um, things like good friendships and positive peer groups and meaningful adult interaction. And the reminder here is to also be ever so attentive to our children's spiritual need. It doesn't have to be complicated. It involves desiring for our kids their closeness to the Lord, bringing them up in a God-centered home, modeling for them a relationship with God ourselves, praying for and with them, always bringing them, as it were, to Jesus. We want Jesus to touch our children. Do we not? 
We want them to draw near to Christ in personal experience. At the end of the day, we want our sons and our daughters, even our little babies, to know the touch of Christ upon their lives. Child dedication is an expression of this. Child dedication is the bringing of our children to God and trusting them to God's care while expressing faith in God ourselves, acknowledging our need and desire for Christ, seeking His touch, seeking His touch with the recognition that His touch, that His touch upon a life is life indeed. But to our great surprise, the disciples, the disciples, the disciples, those who should have known better, were trying to shut the whole thing down. It says, and the disciples rebuked them, rebuking the people, rebuking even the children. The obvious question is why? Why would they forbid people from bringing their children? We aren't told exactly why. Maybe they were simply looking out for Jesus, protecting his time, protecting his schedule. After all, they might have thought Jesus has more important things to tend to. In fact, in fact, that line of thinking was very much common thinking in the first century world. The world then wasn't nearly as child-centric or child-oriented as our world today. The world then was not the world of Disney as it is today. Children were loved, absolutely, but they were not catered to as they are today. So Sally and I occasionally remind our kids, I'm sure you do the same, You just don't need our constant attention. It's okay to play outside and entertain yourselves and even drink from the hose. (laughs) I won't mention any names. We have a story. There was one particular day where the kids were just being particularly restless and demanding and so Sally and I shoot them all outside and we lock the door behind them (laughs) and one in particular stood at the door with this glazed over look confused and unsure how to play outside In the first century world, things were different. Children, though obviously loved, weren't the center of society. Socially speaking, they had no say, no status, no pull, no influence. Typically, children weren't to be seen or heard. And so so the disciples' way of thinking... To the disciples' way of thinking, Jesus did have more important things to tend to. But they were wrong. 
And in this we discover the heart of Christ. Jesus became angry. The word is indignant. It's the only place in Mark's gospel, indeed the only place in any of the four gospels where the word indignant is used of Jesus. The word means to be aroused to anger. Jesus is angry because the disciples are misrepresenting him. They were misrepresenting God. And by their actions, they were saying that God doesn't have time for you. God doesn't have time for your children. They were suggesting that unless you were of some importance, then you were of no importance to God. No wonder he's angry, right? Because nothing could be further from the truth. And so he says, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. He welcomes them. He invites them. He has time for them. He makes time for them. He cares for them. He loves them. And he warns all who would keep them away, do not hinder them. In other words, I picture him saying, stop it. Stop stopping them. Let the children come to me. And parents, I think there's a lesson for us here. Although we are not ultimately responsible, ultimately responsible for our child's faith and that, and that the child must express his or her faith in the Lord themselves, whether it's during childhood years or as a teenager or as an adult ultimately each one of our children and and each one of us we must personally receive Jesus as an expression of personal faith in Jesus but parents even though we can't own our kids faith for them or make their decisions for them we absolutely should not hinder them I think the lesson here is to help make the path to Jesus as unobstructed as possible. Removing any obstacle that stands in the way. Even working, making sure to not put anything in the way. And then Jesus says, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. This was unheard of. And by welcoming these children and warning those who stood in their way, Jesus was revealing God's heart. He was illustrating God's kingdom in that it's given to those who simply, please hear this, it's given to those who simply come to Christ and receive it as a gift. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Receiving the kingdom of God, that's a way of talking about relationship with God. And Jesus, Jesus isn't saying that all children automatically receive God's kingdom because the Bible clearly teaches that we're all born in sin 
and therefore separated from God. We are out of relationship with him. So Jesus isn't romanticizing the innocence of children. I mean, come on. Parents, you know I'm right. Children are living, breathing examples of our sinful tendency to think that we are the center of the universe. That everything revolves around us. We love them. Yes, we love them. They're cute. Yes, they're cute. But children are sinners too in need of a savior. And that's the point. That's the point. That is the point. Jesus is drawing attention to their neediness, to their weakness, to their powerlessness, to their inability to earn their way. He's drawing their attention to their utter dependence upon another. Children, especially, especially little children or infants, are entirely dependent upon someone else, right? They can't provide for themselves. They need someone to provide for them. And therefore, whatever they receive, hear this, they receive solely on the basis of grace. That's what Jesus is getting at. Receiving God's kingdom means receiving God's grace. And this flies, this is hard for us. This flies in the face of our self-reliant, self-sufficient tendencies because even from childhood we're told to achieve, to earn, to contribute ultimately in some way to deserve we're told we're taught directly and indirectly impress prove yourself When it comes to the kingdom of God and to relationship with God, you cannot earn it. The only thing we bring to the table is our sin, our need, which only proves, validates, supports the point that everything we receive from God, we receive by His grace. Through faith in Christ, who loves us, who died for us, who cleanses us from all sin, who makes us right and righteous before God, who welcomes us, come, come, who welcomes us into his eternal kingdom, not because we deserve it, but simply because we receive it. So Jesus loves and he welcomes these children and he's illustrating how they, how they just gladly come to him with nothing to offer but everything to gain. 
this morning. I want that for Colin. I want that for Eliza. This childlike faith. I want that for my children. For all our children. I want that for all of us, frankly. Myself included. I, I, I want us to know that God is gracious. I, I, I know you've heard it. I want you to know it. God is rich in mercy. That God is love. I want us to live by His grace in His embrace. And so I want us to go to Christ freely, just as we are. Humbly and gladly receive Him and His kingdom. I want childlike faith. I do. I want childlike faith for, for Mike and Franny and Andrew and Sarah. I want them to... I want them I want them to see their need for God and, for, and to receive God's grace themselves. I want that for you. Not just one time only, every day, all the time. I want that for you. Because without personal experience with God, please hear this, without personal experience with God, parents have nothing of eternal value to give to their children. of eternal value. Without personal relationship with God, parents, oh, they may be able to introduce their kids to religion or a religious framework, may be able to, 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 to have some very moral, very ethical kids, but that's about it. For unless we drink from the springs of living water, we cannot offer living water to our children. Unless we eat from the bread of life, we cannot say to our children from personal experience, here, taste and see that the Lord is good. Child dedication, then, is a reminder to parents to become like children in the sense of going to Jesus all the time to receive His saving, His sustaining, His sanctifying grace each day. Well, the passage ends in remarkable fashion. So we've considered seeking the touch of Christ, knowing the heart of Christ, receiving the kingdom of Christ, and now we'll close by enjoying the blessing of Christ. Verse 16 says, And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. He took 
them in his arms. Just pause there for a moment. Can you picture it? Oh, to be in the arms of Christ, in the very arms of God. What joy, right? I mean, what joy. To be welcomed and loved by him who is loved, to be held by him, to be known by him, to be safe in his presence and secure in his power. To be safe in his presence. Safe in his presence. Secure by his power. Don't you long to be in the arms of Christ? Listen. Do you know the joy, the peace of being a child of God? Go to him. Like these children, just go to him. Don't try to impress him. Don't tell him how, uh, don't, don't tell him, don't try to bring all your stuff, all your good deeds. Just go to him. And tell him you want him. You need him. And you love him. And from this day forward, trust him and obey him. Get involved in in the church and grow in him. And that Jesus took these children in his arms and blessed them was favor beyond belief. This wasn't some political campaign Right, where politicians pass through the crowds and grab a baby or two and pat them on the head in order to win the favor of the crowd. No, 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 no. This was, this is the Son of God, God Himself in the flesh, bestowing favor on those who never expected it and did nothing to earn it. That Jesus blessed them and laid hands on them means he pronounced God's favor upon them. Literally, it means to bless fervently. So he wasn't just going through the motions or being rote in any way. One by one, I can only imagine how long this took. And one by one, he held them and prayed over them and pronounced God's blessing upon them and upon their lives. Isn't Isn't it interesting? The parents were expecting just a touch. Just a touch. But Jesus far exceeded their expectations. Doing far more than they ever imagined. And I'm here to say he still does. And so for parents and children alike who gather around Jesus today in this place, for young and old alike, I want you to know that Jesus is ready to bless 
on this Child Dedication Sunday, I'm, I'm asking you, all of us, to come to him like a child in humility and faith, seeking the touch of Christ, knowing the heart of Christ, receiving the kingdom of Christ, and enjoying the blessing of Christ. And in so doing, you will enjoy life with God in the grace of God forevermore. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for your word. We trust that you've spoken to us. And I do pray for myself and all these people here that these words would not fall upon deaf ears or calloused hearts. Rather, Lord, that you would draw, draw us to yourself that we might come freely and fully, just as we are, and find grace to help in our time of need. We thank you for Jesus, and we pray through Jesus to your glory. Amen.